Heyo, welcome everyone to episode 9 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and this is my co-host Dylan from Galactic Battleground. Hey, what's up? Shout out to our sponsors, Can Arcade, everything arcade, music, and cannabis. And we release these episodes every Friday, so if you guys enjoy what we're doing here, um, subscribe to the podcast if that's where you're listening. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit that bell button so you can get a notification when the new episode comes up. This week, we are going to be chatting with the guys that brought you Cosmotron. So Shane and Dave are with us today. How's it going, guys? Hey, doing great. Doing great, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah certainly, totally. certainly. Thanks for coming on, guys. Um, I kind of want to just jump right into it. You guys have such a unique game um, that plays off of a lot of classics. Um, as I said before, it's called Cosmotrons. Um, where did you guys come up with this idea and where did you guys draw inspiration from? So there's definitely some inspiration, yeah, from some classic games. Definitely, um, I really appreciate the, the, the classic Atari vector type games. So Asteroids, that mechanic where just the ship has momentum. And then obviously, um, I'm a fan of Gravitar, and I have those arcade cabinets too. I have Asteroids and Gravitar, um, so that, that gravity mechanic. But also, Dave and I... We are big fans of first-person shooters, online first-person shooters. I mean, this, this is going back to now like Battlefield 2 and just kind of like the, the high-skill high ceiling on a lot of those games and that multiplayer competitive aspect. So that's where some of the original kind of feelings kind of started around there and definitely like Street Fighter 2 as well, like that kind of aspect of that. You're playing against somebody else and the multi, like the endless replayability that happens because of that yeah i mean i would say for me uh, everything that Shane just said obviously we share a lot of um similarities in our gameplay preferences i think um for me to just you know going back even like playing mario kart with my buddies you know a bunch of controllers sitting right next to each other you know talking smack when we won and all that kind of stuff or any of those games twisted metal the whole series of Twisted Metal, I, I spent probably, you know, way too much time in, in my middle school years uh, with my buddies staying up until five in the morning playing video games, you know. So just that feel that uh, that that multiplayer couch multiplayer feel was something I think that was real inspirational. Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge to play with your friends. I mean, that's why we play video games, right, is that we can challenge our friends in friendly competition but also you know it can get pretty serious sometimes and it definitely does with twisted metal i, I i'm aware of that <laughs> um, can you guys tell me the story of how you created the game um every dev that we've spoken to has their own little unique how we met and how we first started to conceptualize the game and actually produce it so what was that story like for you guys Sure. So, so Dave and I were actually friends, I don't know, for like 13-ish years before we even started this project. And uh, we did a lot of gaming together. And then just, I kind of had this idea in my brain mulling around for about a year. So in 2015, for about a year, I had this idea of, I, I wanted to play a multiplayer player gravity-based arcade game. Um, and I couldn't find one. I, I searched for like a year on Steam and I just couldn't find something that meet, met my needs. So eventually that kind of blew up to the point where I'm like, okay, well, crap, I, I want to solve this problem or, or scratch this itch. So I ended up making a, a really terrible and rough prototype. <laughs> and then uh, I showed it to Dave 
And then, so then uh, Dave started working on it as well with me. So, you know, that was only for like a very brief amount of time where it's just kind of playing around with it. And then it, it grew from this little tiny project to, you know, like a, a full-fledged three-year game. But I'll let Dave fill in some more there from his perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, we I, I've told the story before. I, I, Shane showed up at my house one day. He had this this prototype game. I think it was, you know, one player. You could, like, drive around. You could shoot some bullets. Um, and that was pretty much it. Maybe was there two, Shane? I don't remember. It, like, it they, 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 they were, like, the same so you, color. It was two-player. Okay. And, and so Shane is, like, asking me these, you know, I thought he was asking me questions about, like, okay, how do I do this, right? Like, what's my next step? How do I develop this thing? And I, I was trying to explain to him, you know, how I would go about coding this thing and, and kind of give him some pointers. I thought that's what he wanted. And after some time of kind of trying to explain and, you know, I'm talking about arrays and data structures and things and how I'd handle multiplayer and, you know, doing the score and all this stuff. And I'm looking at him after a while and his eyes are just like glazed over. And I'm like, wait a minute you actually showed up to ask me to do this, not for advice, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when I realized that I was actually going to be making uh, the next steps on Cosmotrons. <laughs> I think it went something like that, right, Shane? Was I like, wait a minute, yeah, <laughs> you're I, asking I, me to do this? I don't exactly remember my uh, intentions. Um, maybe that was subconscious. Yeah, I think that was Dave's polite way of calling me stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not at all. Uh, nobody's stupid for not knowing something, but yeah, yeah I mean, you clearly your background is <laughs> not, not my skill set. Yeah, that's not development's not your uh, forte. That's not something you've spent a lot of time doing. And um, you know, you 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 took you took the prototype to where you know it it showed a conceptual gameplay mechanic and proved that it was you know feasible. Um, which I've talked about in, in, with other people. I think that's a really important first step. I mean, you don't need a bunch of bells and whistles and fancy graphics to, to kind of prove the concept of a game. And, and, right. and I think a lot of people should, should iterate that way. Um, I think some people focus on making things look pretty and uh, things like that before they actually have a, a, you know, something that, that, that works from a, a gameplay standpoint. Yeah, you need you a know. solid base to build from, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's always alpha, beta, and then, you know, you get to the point where you're like, oh, this looks good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, this was, I don't, this is, this wasn't even alpha. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, no, it was a, a rough, it was like a game jam, you know, like a. Yeah, um, it was, yeah, much more in the vein of like a quick game jam type of thing. Gotcha. And like, but, how long was that? And like, how long did you, was you in development for, Shane, at that time? Like two I, months or no, no, no. That was very brief. Like that was a, a couple days where I got to that point where it was two player and I had the first level built and it, and you could respawn and like it, um, the core gameplay was there. The, the core mechanics were there and it felt, it felt fun. And that's my wife and I were playing it and there's just so many things that were absent from it, of course, that, but you could tell that the mechanics would be fun to play with, when, with multiplayer. So that was proven. So then once Dave and I started getting further on it, the next step was we we got four players in there. That was kind of the next big test. We got four players in there and a couple different other basic maps. And then we showed it to other people, like other friends and family. Like we had kind of a party at my house and and just 
from there, like, again, we saw people enjoying playing with the mechanics and it, it felt fun. And um, we kind of went from there. And by that time, that was maybe a month, a month and a half in, two months in. So Dave and I really like, th- this process was quick for us, I think, compared to many other games where we got the core down because... So that was October 2016 when I when I started that first really rough prototype. By April of 2017, we showed the game in its Deluxotron prototype cabinet at Midwest Gaming Classic with essentially that's a really fast turnaround. That is quick. Holy crap! And that's building a whole cabinet too. You know, that's not you know we had multiple maps and the game was pretty. It was pretty polished by I'd say that that MGC April 2017. But, I mean, that's where Dave and I, I mean, we were, man, those were some late nights, Dave. Yep. Yeah, I, I was actually just re- recounting that to somebody the other day. I mean, we were, uh, that was all I did outside. I mean, I was going to work, but, you know, I was working eight hours a day and, uh, you know, coming home, spending a little bit of time with my kids. I'd get them to bed and then I'd, I'd be up late playing or working on working on Cosmotrons. And I think you were over at my house at least once or twice a week we were working together to, to work through things. So along with like the long nights and like the Deluxotron, like what was your kind of inspiration to start to make an arcade cabinet, like to design, to aesthetics, to why, like why it was an arcade in general. Sure. So I've always been enamored by these big physical arcade machines. And to the point that I, uh, collect so I had a whole bunch in my living room and I, I kind of had the idea of like wow wouldn't it be so cool to like make a custom cabinet for some of these different indie games that are on Steam and then so I started thinking about designing a, and making a custom cabinet and then I was like well well, crap if I'm going to go through all this effort of designing and building a custom cabinet for somebody else's game why don't I just make my own game so that's kind of where I, I married the idea of wanting to make my own custom cabinet and then that idea of that gravity based space shooter multiplayer game so you conceptualized a cabinet first that was that was like your initial thought was the cabinet and then make the game yeah well i wanted to i wanted a project i mean i I wanted a project and then um i'm a teacher and i teach game design class so by reading and researching and getting more into game design itself that then that really increased my interest of wanting to create my own game as well um and then so, so then Dave and I talked and we thought how cool would it be for us to create our own game and bring it to Midwest Gaming Classic for the public to play. And then the idea was we'd, we'd take it to, for the public to enjoy, but then it would just hang out in my house and that was it. Like we yeah. just planned that it wouldn't go any further than that. It would just be, hey, here's a cool enthusiast project. And then now it's for my friends to play at my place. That 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 was the key right there. We originally made a arcade machine the one that showed up at midwest gaming classic in 20 whatever that was 2018 17 um that was just a promotional thing you know we just made that cabinet as a way to promote a game we were going to sell on steam and actually we went at some point during that midwest gaming classic weekend we went out to lunch we kind of left the convention center and I think we probably went to Chili's because that's Shane's favorite. Um, <laughs> and I, on that car ride, I literally, I remember Juanita saying, you know, would you guys ever consider um, 
getting into selling arcade machines and shane and i I think both of us immediately were like hell no why would we do that (laughs) and here we are today yeah and then dylan to answer your question about kind of like the inspiration or a little bit about the process of the machine itself is i just i really like the aesthetics of say that kind of vintage space era type stuff like from the 60s and 70s so things that you would see in some of these vintage sci-fi movies or um shows or so like for example space odyssey 2001 yep um that really like clean white and stainless steel like just really like i don't know clean smooth surfaces um so that's what kind of inspired the the design of the Luxotron cabinet and there were so so many other constraints just in terms of size for four people and it had to fit through my door and I mean I can get more in depth on this if if you know that's part of your questions but yeah keep going kind of I started. mean feel free to go as, as deep with that as you want sure so some of the constraints where it needed it needed to fit through my front door of my house because <laughs> that's that was the main purpose of the cabinet and then I wanted definitely something really unique and match the aesthetic of the game. So our, our game, you know, it's kind of a, a, of course, very retro look. So our cabinet, I felt needed to look retro. It needed to stand out. I wanted a big display in it. So we put a 40 inch to 43 inch 4k display in there and um, subwoofer, you know, boom and stereo, the engraved steel panel was something that was a, that was an important feature just in terms of, I didn't like how a lot of these old games, you just put it like a, a sticker essentially over the control panel and it wears out and it cracks and it just doesn't look good after a certain amount of time. So I, I wanted the, the cabinet to still look really good after time and then just kind of like, um, it, it feels better to touch metal than it does plastic. So I wanted the user to kind of just have this sense of quality and feel with, with what they touch. And just like feeling that smooth, glossy stainless steel, and the, on the early ones it's engraved, and then the later ones it's it's cut out and it's backlit with LEDs, which I absolutely love. It just glows and looks so cool. And um, the one of the hard parts about so the manufacturing of this cabinet, wow, has it been an adventure? It's just crazy. Like so, the prototype is made out of MDF. That prototype is now at Geeks mania in madison they they purchased that from us and that was just that thing was like a tank because it's solid mdf and my my father and i painted the wood and it's just it's not it didn't make sense to do a production cabinet that way but it was fine for the prototype so we had molds made so that was an investment it was kind of a risk to kind of go and make this fiberglass cabinet but because we went that route we were able to get these smooth just super smooth glossy surfaces and this white that's in there that just, it can't be replicated with, um, what is that called? That the covering on wood, I can't, it's escaping my mind right now. Veneer? Yeah. Yeah. Like a veneer type. Um, and the reason why, another reason why I didn't want to do that type of surface, cause it peels and it just, you can't get the smoothness and the, um, radius corners and so on. So there's all these little details. Um, it was kind of like excessive uh, attention to detail to just try and make this premium cabinet, which I'm really happy with how it turned out and like the glowing green to match with the game. And like I said, the stainless steel and the white, like it it just, I I tried to look at it and like my interest of um, 
my interest in sports cars and classic cars and just reading out a lot about design and, and how some of those famous car designers like Pininfarina and just their process, how they go about designing things. And it, I really tried to take that approach and, and try to create this classy, beautiful thing. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It, it, uh, we definitely get a lot of love for it. Yeah. I mean, the cabinet is beautiful. It, it does really, really stand out compared to all the other Indies. I mean, even with building the the Galactic Battleground cabinet, it it's looks it like almost looks too much like the classic arcade games with our first iteration. So we had to add some different things to make it stand out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, yours without a doubt. The second you see it, you you know there's something going on there. And you need to check it out. I mean, like you nailed it when you like referenced it to Space Odyssey 2001 because that that's just like so sleek and dark and like I totally see what you're saying about that. One one of the important features was I, I wanted the, um, you think about the games like Space Invaders, Asteroids Deluxe, those old classic machines, they kind of have a, a mirror in them. So it makes the display look like it's further set back. And so that was something I tried to do as well is, is make that display look like it's floating. So like, that's why if you look inside a Deluxotron, you don't see any monitor brackets or anything. And it, that monitor is set further back. So you kind of get that depth which which feels kind of neat and like the glowing green plexiglass that's laser etched um you know I, that was kind of it's funny i i was walking through best buy i think it was and they had um a soda container like that you'd see it near the checkout and they had it was like a monster energy drink themed and in that inside the glass was like glowing green plexiglass and i was and that's like that's like that's like a little thing that inspired me to uh, find a way to do that on our cabinet and then uh, another thing i'd point out is like you can maybe think about this like the attention to detail on the cabinet one reason why i wanted to do that is because i, I wanted um i wanted people to when they see that to know that this is a special thing that the attention to detail that was placed on the cabinet was also placed on the software that dave and i we took the utmost care and the passion that we put into the cabinet was definitely put into the, the game as well, just in terms of the, the gameplay and the game design and, and how we we thought through that endlessly as well. I don't want like to, I don't want to completely derail, but I, the, you, you mentioned going through Best Buy. It wasn't there. We were trying to find a TV that would work for our cabinets and, and, and you went into Best Buy and, and basically asked them, Hey, can I plug into your TVs and, and test them out to see which one I want to use? Right. And they, they told you no, right, Shane? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, so then what did you do? You just started buying TVs and then like taking them outside of Best Buy, checking them out and then returning them and be like, nope, not this one. And then getting a different yeah. one. Like... <laughs> <laughs> they could have made it so much easier for you if they just let you plug did... in. Didn't they eventually just be like, okay, fine, fine, go plug it into the damn display. <laughs> they eventually, totally eventually did, because I brought my laptop with, and I'm like, guys, like, this is way easier. If you, and I had my own HDMI cord and everything. I'm like, guys, this is just way easier if you just let me hook up to your displays. Because the, like, there's just, and you guys, I'm sure know, when you manufacture, there's just so many little details that you have to work out that the public never sees. And one thing that we were struggling with was the resolution of our game and, and finding an appropriate display. Like we can't, 1080p doesn't show our game very well. So we had to use a 4K display, but some of them yep. don't just, they don't, they don't look as good as we need them to. So that's what happened. <laughs> I bought like 
three and opened them up and returned them right away. And the guy's finally <laughs> like, okay, we, we can't keep doing this. We're losing money. Like, you guys can just hook it up. That's yeah, because they have open box policy. Yeah, like that's, that's a good, good, good open box deal for someone that came in. <laughs> so speaking um, still along the lines of the cabinet and how you guys designed it, you guys took it on a trip to show it off to California Extreme. Is that right? Yeah, so that was 2017 was the first summer. That was the first time we took it out there. We also had it out there in 2018. So where where did you go on your on your trip, I know you guys are coming from like central Wisconsin and you headed down to California. Where did you stop on your way there? So we had, oh man, we had, it was like 17 different stops over a month. So like on the road for a month, you know, it felt like a rock band going to all these different places. So um, went on tour. So, yeah, so maybe we, even before that, going back to just MGC and like, you know, how we didn't even think we were going to manufacture things. We, we just to, just to give you a little bit of like, um, you know, intro to this, we had so many people kind of like, how do I get one? Right. Like I, I, I want to buy one. I want to support you. I really love this idea of bringing new games to the arcade and we didn't plan on manufacturing, right? It, it's cost a lot of money. So this whole idea of the tour really started out as, um, the guys at California extreme asked us to come out and we thought, okay, well, you know, that'd be pretty cool. But if we're going all the way out there, I think Shane one day was like, you know, we'd have to ship it out there and then we'd have to ship it back. And then I got to fly out there. Like for that same amount of money, I could just drive it out there and we could stop at a bunch of places. And so we started calling around asking people if they'd be interested in supporting something like that. And I mean, I think Shane, you, it'd be great if you could go through and tell where we went, but I mean, we reached out at Shane did all this work ahead of time while I'm developing the game, trying to get it ready you know, and, and make more improvements, you know, to get us to California extreme. Um, and we got all these people to like, you know, support us along the way and give us a little bit of money to help kind of support that, that tour, uh, out to California extreme. So just a little bit of, you know, interesting insight into how it all kind of went from (laughs) us not wanting to make a machine to taking our machine on tour is like a, uh, intro. So people could see if they'd possibly want to buy one when they were ready. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad we did it because it did help us get a lot of our first sales. And so some of the route, we went through Iowa. So we stopped at our um, Analog Arcade Bar, Kyle Carter there. They they have one now. And um, he was a big supporter. We met him at MGC 2017, and he was a big supporter of us turning this into an actual arcade product. And uh, we stopped at Updown in uh, Iowa, Hyperspace, which is now closed there in Colorado. Went through Idaho, Grinker's amazing arcade in idaho um to utah to adam pratt's arcade and we worked our way i think then through oregon um i think it's starport that's out there down to california and then kind of on the way back we hit up some other places too arizona and and back through and um danger zone danger zone Uh, arcade danger zone wasn't around at that time um, um maybe yeah, something else yeah it's like 17 different places like we we sure busted our butts trying to market the games and but one thing that's great is just standing back and watching people play, play the game we have learned so much just in terms of the n- amount of hours we've watched people play the game at conventions and our, on our tour and we've just we've improved it so much since 2017 yeah, I mean, you're going to get the best feedback from people that are not involved in the game. 
like people that are just playing at an arcade that have never seen it that's that's where you're going to get the best feedback by far and i know we made a ton of alterations with gbg from the same thing running little uh like league nights at local breweries and stuff that's where we got some of our best feedback even after hours and hours of testing with the team we got way more feedback in one night than we did in a week together oh yeah Absolutely. That's actually one of my favorite things to do when we're at conventions and stuff like that, or, or wherever, or anywhere our game's getting played, it doesn't matter. It's actually kind of nice when people don't know that I have anything to do with the game. I like to just sit there and watch and listen to what people say to their friends while they're playing or, you know, whatever, just watch and see how people interact. Um, that's given us definitely some of the best input that we've had in this whole experience. So along the lines of going to California extreme, what was like one of your favorite conventions you've been to? I'd have to say just in terms of the whole experience, Midwest gaming classic in Wisconsin, it's an excellent show. Uh, Dan Lucen and the guys, they, they put on an excellent, very well organized show that has just, there's so much variety there, but a big part of it is we have so many friends uh, support crew that comes and volunteers and helps and other friends uh, playing. We had our biggest tournament there. Um, the Cosmo Olympics was, I think it was 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was 19. That's when we were there with uh, death ball and switch and shoot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like, and then, you know, like you guys were there and it's just, it's such a great community event. So that's very, very special for me. There's, there's so many events. I, it's hard for me to even remember. We've been, man, all across the whole country and, uh, California extreme itself is, is just such a great show too. If you're in a cl- like vintage arcade games, th- those guys, the collectors out there, they really bring out some really rare special pieces that, uh, which is very great of them, uh, to let them bring, bring those out for the public to play. And it's just such a, a great feeling there too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would have to agree. And I know it, it's just, I, I think maybe it's partially, it's just all the things. It's 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 our hometown show, MGC. Um, you know, we know a lot of the folks that run it. We were going there for many years before we had anything to do with having our game there. We just were there as, as fans, as collectors. You know, Shane would bring any number of half a dozen to a dozen machines there <laughs> to help out, you know, and and... That would also get us into the extra, you know, VIP event after they close the door to the public, which was always the best time because there, you know, barely any crowd. And then you can finally get on all the machines that were really popular um, and and inspirational. I mean, really thinking back to, I don't know if it was 2015 or 2016 when when I first played Killer Queen at MGC. It was the, I'd never heard of the game. And. I think that was the only game I played all night. I mean, there was hundreds, if not thousands of games at this convention, and I played nothing but Killer Queen. I don't think I touched another machine once I played Killer Queen. Um, I didn't even know that it was at MGC. Yeah. You said 2016? It must have been. 2015, 2016, uh, Logan Arcade brought up their machine. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. It. it and so, yeah, I, MGC is just really, you know, really our jam because we live in the area and we just got we got a lot of local friends and then of course it's great having all these other friends that come in from out of town so um but yeah as shane said i mean california extreme really had an awesome uh, every year i've been there they got an awesome selection of games it's such a cool show 
Um, and, and everyone we've been to has got its positives, right? They, like they, they all do something really awesome. So it's hard to pick, but yeah, I mean, to dive a little bit deeper into MGC, um, they're really cool. I've been to a handful of conventions right now in, in the past couple of years with GBG, but I've noticed that they really focus a lot on video game history. That's a really big deal with them with setting up all the old computers and, the original Mac and they've got Segas and Playstations and Nintendo systems. They've got, I mean, literally pretty much everything that's ever been made. They bring out for you to try. And I've played some games that are twice as old as I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's definitely really neat. I mean, they, they have quite the selection of, of historical things and, and, and everything from consoles to computers to, all this different stuff. It's a really, it's a, it's a unique show for sure. And I mean, um, the other thing too, is I just feel like MGC has done a really great job of continuing to focus on the community and, um, you know, really just like showcasing the games. Um, I mean, there are of course some sponsors there and people that pay to be there and such, but that isn't, um, overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't take away from the convention at all. It doesn't, right? Those people are there and it adds to it. It doesn't overwhelm it. Where I, I feel like sometimes, you know, some of these conventions I've been to, and, and I think this happens a lot more actually in the tech world that, you know, the computer uh, IT world, um, some of these things just get kind of taken over by the people that pay to be there rather than for the heart of what it's what you're supposed to be there for, whether it's continued education or whatever. Um, and, I, you know, sometimes I, I, that's, that's the place I'd worry that people end up going. Because it's really supposed to be about the community and the and the people that are there and what they want to do. You had something, Shane? I was just going to say, I was thinking through this a little bit. Free Play Florida is another one I, I highly recommend people attend. And just in terms of the, the really neat, they just have such a variety of things that go on there. Um, that, that people can just check out their website and see that. But the, the community there, like, I've met some of the most fun people, like just in terms of fun, <laughs> the people that run it and, and so many of the other people there that normally attend, it's, it's, that's just such a fun one that and I've been to a couple times too. Well, that's definitely another one to put on the list that we need to check out before we wrap everything up here, guys, give us the shout outs on the social media. Where can everybody find you guys? So our website for our main website is cosmotronsgame.com. You can also find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Cosmotron's game. And then our Instagram is at Arcadaholics. Our Twitter. Dave, what is our Twitter? Do you remember? <laughs> I think our Twitter is the same one of those. Cosmotron's game. I think it's Cosmotron's game. Yeah, it's it, it's probably Cosmotron's game. I don't know. Sure, you can look it up and you'll be able to find it. Yeah, I'm sure I will throw those links in the description below too, whether you're on YouTube or you're listening as a podcast. Um, you'll be able to grab those links and check them out. But I just want to say thank you again for coming on here, guys. Yeah, uh, thanks we'll a lot. Be back next Friday with another episode. And until then, peace out. <laughs>